the year is 2005. I'm Dave. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Beeson, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to our 2005 variant cover on variant covers of My Marvelous Year. We go through what is current, what is fresh, what is top of mind, as we take a little pause between our read-through of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We are, of course, covering the Marvel Comics of 2005 during this season. You can see all of the comic issues that we are reading in the show notes, and next week we'll be back continuing talking about our journey. Through 2005, we're approaching House of M territory, getting into a very famous semi-controversial event. We've got, what else do we have coming this year? More Daredevil and Black Panther, the the origins of X-23, um, uh, Laura Kinney, so a lot of big stuff coming. I don't I don't know if it'll have been released yet, but there's going to be you know Winter Soldier and Iron Man Extremis, a lot of big stuff in 2005. It's a big... It's definitely the big, like, okay, 2004 is kind of the setting the table year, you know, of kind of like, okay, here's here's where modern Marvel is going to move to with Avengers Disassembled. And then 2005 is kind of the year where it's like, all right, let's action on that. Let's let's get all of these kind of characters relaunched. Like, you know, like Iron Man gets a new origin. Black Panther kind of gets a new origin. Um, I didn't realize quite how much table setting was done this yeah. year until we started reading through these comics again. Um, so we'll talk about those. But I am joined today. So normally, normally what happens on a My Brother This Year episode is I it get, it's Sunday morning, Sunday morning, mm-hmm. I'm listening to the Velvet Underground, and, uh, and I That's realize, you. oh shoot, we're recording, and I don't have a guest. I don't have a, I don't have a guest yet. <laughs> so normally what happens then is I phone a friend, and I phone the incredibly reliable Zachary F. Dean, and he, he's <laughs> always available and always willing to guest host. MMY. And of course, over the last several years, we've we've had Charlotte in as a regular co-host. But Charlotte, who is my my esteemed, reliable alternate co-host, we finally have a chance today to just to just share our open and honest feelings about about Zach. <laughs> we can do the segment I've been preparing. Finally. Finally have this chance to do the segment <laughs> I've been preparing for years. It's called Zach Attacks. And people Ooh, are gonna think, good. uh-oh. Uh-oh, they're going to they're going to be rude and they're going to they're going to call Zach names. No, Zach attacks is the segment of the show where we attack Zach with compliments. We are going to attack him with the things that we like the most. So Charlotte, we can do that at the end. Um, yes. Just... But let's start with my segment which is uh, the Mean Dean and that's the <laughs> one where we actually insult him. <laughs> mean Dean. <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to put a poll out there and see yeah. if people want to hear the Mean Dean. Or do they want to hear Zach attacks? And then Perfect. we'll have to just give the people what they want. Um, cool. No, but today we have, there's honestly, there's a ton going on in Marvel. There's a ton going on in, in both the comics and the MCU side. So we're going to talk about the Ultimate Universe that's coming in 2024. We're going to talk a little bit about the MCU reports that came out this last week that got everyone's attention that uh, 
gasp. The MCU is is maybe not doing as well <laughs> as it used to be. Didn't think that was news, but that's what broke this last week. Yeah. Um, and then I think we'll talk probably a little Loki. We'll give a spoiler warning if we do that. I'm not sure how much we will or, or won't. Yeah, I feel like we, we can talk about it in the context of the wide MCU because I don't know how much I have to say about it specifically. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so let's let's start with Ultimate Universe, Charlotte, because you reread. Ultimate Invasion and Ultimate Universe number one, which yes. is the newest. So Ultimate Universe number one is Jonathan Hickman, Stefano Caselli. Uh, it's their launch issue into relaunching the Ultimate Universe in 2024. In 2024, there are going to be three launch titles relaunching the Ultimate Universe, which originally debuted in Marvel in 2000. The launch titles are going to be Ultimate X-Men by Peach Momoko, Ultimate Spider-Man by Jonathan Hickman and Marco Cicchetto, and um, Ultimate Black Panther by Brian Edward Hill and yes. Stefano Caselli. Did you hear the the loud cheering and clapping after you said Ultimate X-Men by Peach Momoko? Or was <laughs> that just in my head? I always do. So yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. But like I, in all my days of of sharing Marvel previews and, yeah. and just sharing comics on social media, I have never, ever seen a higher approval rating and an excitement over anything. Then I then I get saw from sharing the first page of Peach Momoko's Ultimate X Men yeah, number one. Like, absolutely. Like audiences are so ready for this, and it's exciting, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I reread. So the I mean, I guess the actual Ultimate Universe is launching with those three series, but they did an introduction. So Jonathan Hickman is leading the the charge on this, um, and he did a four issue like event miniseries called Ultimate Invasion. With Brian Hitch, who like is the art style of uh, of the original Ultimate Universe, drew um, Ultimates with uh, Mark Miller, um, like big, 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 uh, big artist, but like big artist from from twenty years ago, which right. is feels like you know that's like that's a choice for for the new Ultimate Universe, which is supposed to be like the new twenty twenty three version of the Marvel Universe to go back to the well of early two thousands Marvel is I, mean, I don't know feels disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, feels like a conservative choice, um, and it is like it is made to I don't know give a transition between the former Ultimate Universe and the new one, um, but it is it is a series that is highly reliant on on Earth six one six continuity and on previous Ultimate Universe continuity, right? Which I personally think is very much the wrong choice to to introduce the new Ultimate Universe. To me, the like. The point of the Ultimate Universe is to be a, a point of entry for new Marvel readers, to be something you can can point to and be like, hey, you want to, to start reading X-Men, start reading Spider-Man, start reading whatever else? Like, start with the, the Ultimate Universe. It's easy. There's not, like, three crossovers a year. It doesn't, like, mix up with other series. It doesn't change writer or artist, like, every two, two issues. It's, like, a clear, easy starting point. And I hope that's what Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spidey, and Ultimate Black Panther can be, but I definitely don't think that's what Ultimate Inva- Invasion or even Ultimate Universe are. Um, like, for people who, who followed through on on, ulti- or on My Ultimate Year, which is the podcast we did where we went through the entirety of, um, of the original Ultimate Universe, um, like, you know that it ends, like, it has a definitive end, and some characters, some ideas translate into the the main core 616 Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And then some of those ideas are used to launch the new Ultimate Universe without going into too much detail. And yeah, I think 
don't know. I think like you, you read the comic too. I, I feel like it's not, that's not a great way to like, that. I don't think Ultimate Universe, I don't think Ultimate Invasion is a book you can give to a new Marvel reader and be like, here, right. that's the start of the new Ultimate Universe. And I don't think Ultimate Universe number one is that either because it's, I mean, to me, it was very much Ultimate Invasion issue five with a different artist. It's a really, it's really kind of fascinating. And yeah. it's such a, it's kind of a bold approach, but like stealthily, because everything you're saying is true. Like the original Ultimate Universe, you know, it launched with the intention of, of tremendous accessibility, you know, yeah. like, like accessibility was the point. Um, like there were two points. One, we're going to make this new for modern audiences. And two, we're going to make it less complicated than 40 years of continuity and baggage. Will you know? Will will give them an amazing Spider-Man. Um, so there's a lot of focus on modernizing Marvel. I think in the pages of early Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate X-Men, um, yeah. like in the hands of Bendis and Bagley, that means a Spider-Man in a in a high school that would exist in the year 2000, and kids maybe are starting to get cell phones. <laughs> right? Is like where the culture's at. Right? Now there's just a lot of like literal, you know, specificity around just the way the times are changing. In the hands of Mark Miller and Andy Kubert, it was more like the shocks and and the and then the definitely in the ultimates it's like and the big giant sized you know sort of violence and terror that can come with these creatures in a superhero comic in the year 2000 right and then of course post 9/11 reactions once once the world moves in that way in 2024 there are ways that you could focus on modernizing right it's not like things haven't progressed <laughs> in 24 yeah. years um, it's not like the world hasn't changed. It's not like there aren't new issues to tackle. That said, it feels to me less urgent, you know, and maybe part of it is I've lived through it and like the year 2000 does not feel as far away to me as, as 1962 does to 2000. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, I think some of that's just going to be, where are you in your life? Like if, you know, for you, Charlotte, I don't know, the 2000 is, is ancient history. <laughs> right so like i mean essentially i was born at the same time as the ultimate as the original ultimate universe like you are you are I, a character of the ultimate universe who has crossed exactly. over <laughs> to yes. podcasts in our world <laughs> yeah i originally was written as a tie into the ultimate universe and then like gained a life of my own um no yeah i mean i i do think the ultimate universe the original one hasn't aged that much in, in a lot of ways like I, I still think Ultimate Spider-Man is the best way to get into Marvel, like, to this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, just brand new reader, you can give yeah. them a book, you you feel pretty comfortable giving them Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Which like is insane for a 23-year-old comic. Like, that's, that's yeah. remarkable. Um, and, you know, I think... Uh, I don't know, because my original reaction to reading Ultimate Invasion was... I think disappointments like this. Same. This isn't a good entry point. This feels way too messy and like like um, tied in continuity to work. And ruining ruining it this week for this, I was I don't know I I'm still like a big Hickman nerd. Like mm-hmm. his his writing and his way of approaching comics is something that speaks to me. Um, so, like, rereading it, I was able to appreciate it more. Like, hey, I'm a big Marvel fan, and this works for me. 
Because, um, like, it is it is full Hickman. It is full Hickman of having, like, a secret cabal uh, ruling the world. Like, it's full East of West um, in yeah. the way he, he like, plans uh, the way this new Ultimate Universe works. And I think, so, here's an interesting thing, is I think the original Ultimate Universe was very much... We're going back to to starting the Marvel universe, like starting Marvel characters in a world that is identical to like the world in two thousand. Right. It's very much not what this new Ultimate Universe <laughs> is doing. Yeah, good point. The new Ultimate <laughs> Universe is like very different from our world in way, like way more than six one six, right? And I that I think is an interesting and I would say good choice because. Because I don't know, like it gets far, it's get it gets farther away from like what people say about the universe, from like it's the world outside your window. But I think it gives the opportunity of like I don't know solving some like kind of nerdy, but like some Marvel problems, like the idea that um, like why doesn't Iron Man and Fantastic Four like give technology to the rest of the world, that, like give that technology to the to the rest of the world, and like mm. why aren't day to day people like using that big, big high-tech stuff. Like, this is, this is a, like, Hickman's version of the Marvel Universe, or at least, like, a very different version of the universe. Like, you can have a world that works in very different ways that ours does, and I think that's... I don't know, that's interesting and that's different. Um, and it feels, like, cleaner in some ways. Um, it doesn't feel as messy. I think that's, like, that's an interesting direction, and makes the world... It makes the world simpler, Right, like there isn't in in the six one six Marvel universe. There's like throughout the years, there's like thirty different versions of like secret people that have controlled the world or like yeah, know, big right. big secrets revealed uh, about the world. Here we're like we're starting off with a clear unified vision for what this world is and what it's going to be. And I think that's like, I mean, we'll talk about the MCU later, but I think that's something that's missing both in Marvel comics and in the MCU. Like a clear vision and structure for the, this the mission statement of it all yeah exactly yeah i mean i think I th- to, oh sorry go ahead and finish just like a mission statement and um like source book like dnd source book i think is like something i mean that's something hickman is doing with uh, yeah. his uh his indie stuff with the uh, three worlds from the moon and i think that's and that's kind of like what huxbox is as well i think that's something he's very good at and i think that's where ultimate invasion and ultimate universe work for me it's like a very good source book to what the the ultimate universe can be. Yeah, I kind of I I had a similar initial reaction where I kind of bristled at this approach which is, you know, it, there's a version of the ultimate universe where you could just make the argument that like this should be the most accessible new reader friendly space to invite people in to, you know, create a visions for these various properties, right? So you can just take a Spider-Man free from the baggage of continuity. And just be like, oh, here's here's an easily accessible version of that. The approach to the mission statement that Jonathan Hickman came up with is the exact opposite of that. Like this is so wrapped in in continuity, both and like because there's just there's a lot of caveats you have to throw on this for somebody who's maybe hasn't read it or isn't familiar, right? So somebody's like, okay, is this a continuation of the original Ultimate Universe? No, but kinda, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, oh, is this is stylistically? This con- it is. It is way well, too much. Well, and the makers, the maker comes from the original Ultimate yeah. Universe. He yes. is the one who has shaped this new yeah. Ultimate Universe. He is now trapped in his city for two years. 
Yeah. <laughs> like it is, it is tied. And like, you know, kind of some of the character beats are, are tied to the original ultimate universe. And then at the yeah. same time, it's like, okay, is this tied to six, one, six, the mainline Marvel continuity in any way? Well, no, but kind of, right? It's the I same. Mean, it starts it's the same in thing. 616. Issue one is entirely in uh, 616. Yeah. So and it's like reliant on uh, Hickman, New Avengers, Illuminati, like that. It's very reliant on both the Ultimate Universe and like Hickman. Marvel the Hickmanverse. Verse. The Hickmanverse. Yeah. And that's, it, to me, that was one of the hardest parts of it because I love the Hickmanverse. I mean, listen, like di- disproportionately. Compared to the rest, like I have it ranked as the fourth best comic of all time is is the Marvel yeah. Hickman verse. Okay, like you will not find you know more outspoken fans out there, right? The thing I'm tremendously fond of. At the same time, going back to that well in the way that it did and replaying, like you said, the East of West beats of okay, Hickman's doing a shadowy cabal controlling the world again. It all felt too familiar. It all felt um, a bit repetitive, frankly. Uh, yeah. And then, and then you tie that on top of okay, aren't we relaunching the Ultimate Universe? Why are we making this so messy immediately? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, this is not a new world. Like the the original Ultimate Universe was like the beginning of superheroes emerging. This is like superheroes and super powered characters have been around for for quite a while in this universe and like have history that we don't know about yet. Like there's a Hulk, there's a Colossus, there's a Magic. There's yeah. like there's a lot of pre-existing characters that we we don't know the history we don't know who's been there like like um the some like teasers for 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 ultimate x-men teaser that like one of uh Peach Momoko's new characters is like a big fan of storm so like okay there's a storm that people know about in this yeah, universe yeah. that's like where is she well, what's what's happening here like has there been x-men previously like it feels like we've been missing a big part where like we've been missing like five years of uh of story which is yeah, strange. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a world that already has superheroes, but it's also a world where the maker intentionally wiped out the heroes who had vexed him. Yeah. Previously, right? So like there's no Fantastic 4. He captured Reed, the Reed Richards of this universe and made him wear a Doctor Doom costume. <laughs> like he made him cosplay as Doom <laughs> all this time, which design-wise is excellent. Um Peter Parker was never bitten by a radioactive spider. Right, uh, Thor's been imprisoned in Asgard rather than ascending to you know princely and kingly status and these sorts of things. Right, so there, there are these deviations of the way this world was not allowed to become the same kind of superhero universe, and now it seems like the approach is going to be kind of a two-year struggle or challenge to be like, okay, now as these powers are allowed to sort of set in and these people become who they are later in life. What can this world look like? There are instances where I think that's going to be fascinating, a la a Peter Parker who is married to Mary Jane Watson and already has kids and then develops Spider-Man powers. Like just premise wise, it's like, oh, okay. so the the appeal of Peter B. Parker um, and, you know, the what if of Spider-Girl and, you know, all these things that we've kind of seen played with here and there, a little Spider-Man yeah. life story, uh, but in the hands of Jonathan Hickman and Marco Cicchetto. Like, hell yeah, sign me up. I'm When you look at the three launch titles, they actually feel, to me, very much at odds with kind of everything we're talking about because the three launch yeah. titles, at least premise-wise, feel like, oh, well, those are actually going to be really accessible, I think. Yeah. Um, and new reader-friendly. Like, Peach Momoko's X-Men is going to be this really stylized vision of, of like, teen mutants. Like, the, the focus characters 
<laughs> of Mamoka's X-Men, as stated right now, are Armor and a new character called Mayflower. <laughs> like, like there's no Wolverine, Professor X, Cyclops. Like, it's going to be a huge turnoff to some people. But for me, I'm like, where are you going with this? What is this going to look like? What are mutants? Like, what is even, you know, st okay, Storm exists. What is the status of mutants in this world? I have no idea. This could be anything. And I'm actually really excited about that. Plus, Peach yeah. Mamoka is such a fantastic artist that you know it's going to look at a minimum, like really captivating, kind of unlike anything else in the line. And then you have Ultimate Black Panther in a world that doesn't know anything about Wakanda yet. So it's the same kind of thing where it's like all of these books seem like they're going to be starting fresh, and yet everything that has been presented in Ultimate Invasion and the Ultimate um, Universe book is is so tied to the past. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really because you read Ultimate Invasion and it's setting the stage for the formation of the ultimates of this universe. Right. So like the ultimates of this universe are going to be teen Tony Stark. His dad, Howard Stark, was Iron Man. His dad is trapped in the city with the maker per ultimate invasion. So you've got teen Tony Stark slash calling himself Iron Lad yeah. with with Kang ties already in ultimate invasion. So you got Kang stuff going on. You've got Captain America on ice. You've got Thor. They freed from prison. You've got uh, uh, Doom Richards and you've got Lady yeah. Sif. Yeah. So like that's so the ultimate team essentially is like virtually identical, you know, to the um to the original with deviations. And then you have them set the stage where the shadowy cabal who is controlling the world and basically trying to keep the populace in control by manufacturing wars, by manufacturing uh political outrage, it is a tremendously Hickman idea. It is also very interesting and I think compelling. You know, yeah. I think in a lot, like just looking at how, cause it's, it's, it's a metaphor for how the powers that be kind of maintain control and, and grow their own power and manufacture some of these, you know, wars and, and issues that we see that are like solvable, but are maintained because it kind of keeps things in check, right? It kind of keeps a status quo that allows them to retain power. Like that's what the Hulk and his crew are kind of standing in for. Um, it's not an uninteresting approach, I don't think. Uh, but again, all of that is like kind of complicated and kind of messy. And then it's like, I don't see how that touches Ultimate Spider-Man, Black Panther, or X-Men in any way. Like, I don't see those books connecting to that at all, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's a really weird introduction. I, I, mean, I it's see messy. Black Panther connecting to that. Sure. Just because of like, his ties to like it seems like there's gonna be a Moon Knight Kanchu thing in Black Panther. It's like playing with, uh, yes. with Egyptian gods, and those are also tied to some members of the like of um, let's say the leader, the Maker's Cabal. Um, do, but they, do they have a name that isn't Cabal? Because we have a six one six Cabal, and I thought they were called something. I just can't remember. I genuinely don't know yeah. if they have it. The children of no, that's only Than that's only Hulk. I think the children of something yeah yeah i don't know he's got don't his, know they have his crew they're essentially the illuminati right like they are like we can call, yeah they're a new um, illuminati which is you know again that was part of my original problem where it's like yeah. okay this is the um this is the illuminati this is the chosen of east of west yeah this is uh you know kind of all the characters black monday murders like this is kind of hickman's one thing it's even <laughs> I, i'm kind of going on a tangent here have you read the recent uh captain america uh, what's it? Sent Sentinel of Liberty run by uh, ooh, Kelly and Lindsay. You know, I started I it and I, I never got very far, but I, I've heard good things. Because that goes into some very like 
Hickman-inspired, like, secret cabal directing the the face of the world and, like, yeah. linked to, to the history of, of uh, Captain America. Like, it it felt very much like... Like, I really like that run, but it felt very much like someone who read East of West and was like, I can I can do that for Captain America um, in interesting ways. But, uh, yeah, I, no, just I have like, a broad yeah. I have a broad question for you about that. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe something we can talk about as we progress. But, like, in comics, in Marvel comics, I tend to... And, it, like, in Hickman comics... I tend to really like, you know, these these Illuminati type groups, right? Yeah. And kind of the the behind closed doors conversations. And I think Hickman particularly does a really nice job of it, it makes everything dark and mysterious and exciting. You know, yeah. the conversations they have feel heavy and like they have import. But by every book's end, it's also very clear that like, well, seven men in a room should not be deciding the fate of the world, right? Like that. Yeah. That pretty consistently comes through where Hickman is like, I don't think this is a good thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So my question for you is, you know, not does it work or is it interesting or – but also like I guess do you feel like there's kind of a – has it kind of gone the other way now where it's like kind of a bad thing? And I, what I'm thinking of here is kind of like, you know, like conspiracy theories. Like kind of used yeah. to be fun. Like, like if, yeah. you, if you met somebody who was like really into like a JFK conspiracy theory – that was like kind of a fun rabbit hole. It was generally harmless. You know what I mean? And obviously yeah, yeah. in the modern era, we've seen this take a, since, uh, a sinister dark turn, right? Yeah. We're now – there's like a, like a tremendous – like to the point where I would not really tap into or, or talk about conspiracy theory at all because it's like it's so, it can so easily go wrong. And I kind of wonder the same things about Illuminati, you know, because I think there's a real dark side of like, you know, this sense of like these global – cabals or Illuminati, like, like it, it, it taps into conspiracy theory, like in the real world where I'm yeah. like, I don't, I don't know that it can be as fun as it used to be. Cause I think there are growing numbers of confused people who like kind of believe the stuff's really happening. And again, I like it as metaphor. I like it as yeah. metaphor for people in power retaining their power by closing off transparency, by closing off access to information by maintaining, you know, bad things in the world, but the things that allow them to retain their power, right? Yeah. Um, but I, but I don't like it literalized. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I, th I do think it was like, I mean, I, I don't want to go too much into like Bendis Hickman history of like that because like that's stuff we're gonna read in the next years for yeah. for MMY. I like, I think it was a weird choice to begin with to call them the Illuminati, right? Uh, like that ties them too much to to real life stuff, like both in history and in like in uh, conspiracy theory. And I definitely don't know the real world history of that. You know, well so here's like, the thing: it doesn't have anything to do with what those characters are in right. the Marvel universe. It's just a they just like, think it's a cool word. You know? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like uh, we didn't talk about it. I think on the Young Avengers episode, but like it's kind of weird that uh, Wiccan is called Wiccan. Like that's the that's the actual name of a religion, which he doesn't he isn't part of. That's yeah, yeah, kind right. Of a weird choice. Um, but yeah, like it's just like weird weird decision. Then, like to your point of, I I did feel that kind of in an in Ultimate Universe, just because like like with Hickman's like Philosopher Kings uh, characters, like sometimes they can feel as like like not straight up mouthpieces for what he thinks, but kind of yeah, sometimes yeah. like you read Magneto in House of Powers, then you see like. There's a bit of Hickman there, right? Like, not entirely, not to the same level, but there's, like... Right. 
there's something there. And I think, like, with some stuff the Hulk was saying in, in Ultimate Invasion, like, about, like, that's just... I wish it could be some other way, but the people just need to be controlled in this way. And feels like, okay, I... I'm pretty sure you don't actually think that, uh, Jonathan Hickman, the writer, but, like, it is strange to hear from the mouth of characters that, like, we don't know yet and don't feel, like, like single-handedly, like, wholeheartedly wrong, right? It feels like there's something more complicated there, and Hickman is stating... I mean, it, he's the kind of guy who kind of, like... I don't know how to explain it exactly, but, like, gives political ideas of how the world could work through his like he, the world the worlds he creates it's th- it's some, through the work it's all through it's all it's all through, through the, the metaphor and through the work yeah and sometimes it can be hard to pass what he thinks like what he's trying to write as like a dystopia and like what he's trying to write as a possible path to utopia um and i think that was something that was kind of in in that cabal of ultimate universe like Okay, do you actually think that's a way the world could work, or do you do you get how messed up this is? Yeah, yeah. I think he does get it, but I don't think it always carries through the the writing and and the way the characters are portrayed. Yeah, um, and I, I do think that's a danger of having those sort of of secret societies. I don't like. I don't necessarily see. I mean, I I see what you mean with like the conspiracy conspiracy theory stuff, just because like it is called. I mean, it's not called the Illuminati specifically in Ultimate Universe, but like it's the concept. But I don't think he's ever playing with like um like ca- characters in universe having conspiracy theories about it, right? Um, uh, no, we like always that. just see we see the actual yeah. conspiracy as as reality. Right. So like what we always want, because in in the real world, right, you'd have these groups who are like, oh, everything's controlled by George Soros. Right. As a popular target (laughs) here in America for whatever reason. Right. Those sorts of things. Um, You never see that cult like that belief. You you just see the actual like, no, there is a shadowy cabal with the Hulk. (laughs) Like like it actually exists. Um, I don't know. It was just it was a thing that never hit me before. And it hit me in these comics. Because I, I think there is a genuine – I don't want to make this just a full-on Hickman dissertation. Obviously, we could both do that and, it, you know, we could go for a while. Maybe <laughs> yeah. we will one day, like definitely as we get in those comics. Um, I do think there's a real genuine belief that people in power and systems in place are pulling the strings of, of the people they control in order to, you know, increase their own pockets, right, and, and their own power. Um, I think that's something that Hickman comes back time and time again that is – it's also very easy to connect to because it's broad. You know, he's not talking about specific governments. He's not really talking about specific political issues. He's just talking broadly, like that absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, it's yeah. kind of, and I think that's very easy to connect to as as a little man, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. As a little guy in the world. Um, I think the challenge that they're going to have here, which I think is a really interesting challenge, is you have the group of ultimates kind of in this position of freedom fighters, and yeah. I use that with some caution because <laughs> when you start extending the metaphor, it's like, oh, really? Um, but, you know, they're I kind mean, of these the- freedom fighters against the controlling influences of a group that is like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah Russia is the bad guy for these eight years. And then we're going to yeah. swap that out because we are we are so wholly templatizing and controlling global political machinations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like everything is 
a game to them essentially for control as opposed to yeah. like real, you know, I don't know what it, what it feels like to us, which is like happenstance almost, you know, yeah. or like, yeah. oh, these things just fluctuate. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the, like, skip ahead, like, a few minutes if you don't want to get spoiled on anything with, with Ultimate Invader. Like, the comic does end with uh, the, the Secret Cabal, like, orchestrating a, essentially a terrorist attack and yeah. blaming, yes. blaming it on Tony Stark. Like, Tony Stark is a fugitive and a terrorist in this universe, like, as, at least as, as seen by the world. So I don't think the, the, the word, like, yeah, freedom fighters see, sounds right, like some kind of resistance to the, the status quo and the government of this world. Um, which is which is interesting. Which is interesting, but also, like you said, like Ultimate Black Panther maybe will deal with that. But like it feels like with one corner of the world, uh, out of the like seven or eight that uh, Ultimate Invasion establishes. Right. Ultimate X Men, I don't see dealing th- with it that much. Um, and then there's like Ultimate Spider Man, which is Jonathan Hickman, but same thing. That feels like it's gonna be smaller scale. Or if it deals with like, don't you universe, don't you hope it's smaller scale too? Like. I mean, it's a yeah. Spider-Man family book. Like, how you know? Do I? Yeah. I don't want this Peter working with the Ultimates very quickly. I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know? But then the question is, uh, what happens to the Ultimates then? Like, there's no <laughs> yeah, Ultimate <right>. book. Um, <laughs> well, there's gonna be. On... There's there's certainly gonna be. So here's my thinking: is essentially the book ends, or the Ultimate Invasion ends with the Secret Cabal being like. Okay, we have two years before the maker comes comes back. Yeah, and it feels to me like okay, we're gonna have two years of comics, and then by the time those two years of comics are done, we're gonna have like a big like events that like brings either the next chapter of the story right, and that feels like I don't think there's gonna be an ultimate book as much as like an ultimate event centered on mm. those characters in like a year or two. Interesting. Um, like yeah, I don't know how true that is, but it felt like that's kind of what the book was teasing. It feels like kind of what Hickman did with Inf- uh, Inferno with uh, for X Men, right? Like bringing an end to the first chapter of his of his X Men story. Yeah, I like that's I feel like that's what might happen with the Ultimate Universe. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see in two years, I guess. Well, that's my my my. Th- I wrote my three hopes for this in the CBH newsletter yeah. this week, and one of them is end it within five years. Um, I think if you yeah. if you want to literalize the two year maker plan, I actually think that'd be super cool <laughs> to do two yeah, years yeah. of this. Um, but it's like get out while the getting's good. I think I think the ultimate universe should kind of always be in a state of short spurts of energy, and then yeah. and then relaunching. And you know my argument here too is like, what does Marvel love more than a relaunch? You know, and a new number one like this, like all parties win, even if it's doing well, even if the books are good. I'm not saying like. You know, like I want, I want this Spider-Man comic to go for twelve to fifteen issues. You know, yeah. I would love to see Hickman and Chicago on a book for at least that long. Um, but the pipe dream of like four, you know, a Bendis and Bagley one hundred and seventy issues, like we're not going to see that. And I, I yeah. think, you know, the, there's real questions that I have about like, okay, Hickman set the foundation for this world, right, in this Ultimate Universe. Is he going to be writing an Ultimates book? Is he going to be hanging on Spider-Man for multiple years? Um, yeah. Is he going to see this through? Or just because I, I think the set the foundation and, and let people run with it is a really nice idea that simply does not work in superhero comics. Yeah. Um, I think it, it breaks fans' brains, as we saw with X-Men. Um, it breaks my brain. And I like to consider myself, you know, above that fray. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you just can't shake it at a certain point. It's like yeah, if someone yeah. sets, if someone builds it, they have to be there 
through the end, at least in some capacity. Um, yeah. Or it feels like the the vision was shattered, essentially. So I have real questions about whether or not that's going to happen. But then, honestly, my other, my biggest hope is just like, okay, those preview pages for Peach Momoka's Ultimate X-Men are so much stranger <laughs> yeah. than anything we've seen in X-Men comics since Morrison, probably. Um, it's it's tapping into Junji Ito, you know, manga horror territory. Uh, people kept saying, telling me it's FLCL, which I looked up and I had never read. But uh, Charlotte, yeah. are, you, are you familiar with FLCL? Vaguely, vaguely, yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess it's just like somebody pulls things out of their forehead, I think yeah, was the yeah. connection. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's yeah, weird. It, Keep it weird is my point. It doesn't feel like an X-Men book. It feels like a Momoko book. And that's yeah. like, that's a big compliment. I love Demon Days. Like, I love, she has, like, a ve- an incredible, like, just visual style. Like, visually, her her, her art, like, is, isn't comparable to anything else going on in Kamehameha right now. Um, so, yeah, it just felt like reading a new new issue, like, new version of, of her Demon Days, Demon Wars saga, which is, that's kind of what I want. <laughs> it's kind of what I want, but at the same time, I don't know how to reconcile that with, like, with Hickman's vision of things, because that doesn't feel like, it feels like two very different ideas of what comics are. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested, like, it feels like he, he, he seems to be in control. Like, it feels like he probably had a say in which creative teams were going to play in this. I'm, I, I'm guessing... Uh, I don't know. You know I, look, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm never quite clear on the like how much of a coach, how much of an editor yeah. does he? Because it, it, with X Men, it felt that way. Yeah. But honestly, if we go back and we evaluate Hickman as a you know assembling a team, there's a lot of criticisms you could level levy. Yeah. Because <laughs> like we see this a lot in sports, where it's, I know this isn't going to connect with you, but it's like nope. Players <laughs> players try to also be the general manager. So you see this with yeah. Le- LeBron James in the NBA. Where it's like like the decisions he makes about who who the team should get are often very bad decisions. Like great yeah. players aren't necessarily great um, team assemblers, and I think you can make that that comparison with Hickman potentially. But I don't really know how much involvement he's had. I'm I'm actually really happy Brian Edward Hill's getting a second swing in Marvel on a big project like this because Fallen yeah. Angels I thought was such a disaster. It got it got dogpiled on. I think retroactively everyone kind of realizes like he got kind of done dirty. Frankly, with some of the the timing and the the editors not really helping him out, um, yeah. but I'm 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 hopeful. It's definitely the book that I'm the least confident in is Ultimate Black Panther. Um, but I'm but it's like, also the most the one I'm most glad exists. Yes, right. Like yeah, start with Ultimate Black Panther. Give us like I don't know, in the next few years. Give us I don't know like Ultimate Runaways. Ultimate like give us don't give us just the classic like Avengers, X Men, Spider Man, Fantastic Four picks. Right. 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 Like, right. Go go out of the way. Give us ultimate echo. Give us ultimate whatever. You know, like I want to see, I want to see like interesting new visions of what the Marvel universe can be. And I don't need to see just like oh, it's the basic character, you know. But like twenty twenty three version, like, right? That's, on its own, it's kind of boring to me. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't just want to see like a mild what if. Yeah, I mean. Give me like I don't know Zoe Thorogood on on Ultimate Runaways something Ooh. like that like something I'm like yeah excellent. I mean you know what I'm, yeah yeah that's like please <laughs> yeah yeah no but like uh and that's and that's kind of what I want to see too is like this should be a center of excellence you know yeah. for like this should if you're not gonna do a black label then use the Ultimate Universe for your prestige line essentially yeah and it's like listen not everything's gonna be a prestige comic like it's that's easier said than done yeah, yeah. you know you see that with DC how many black labels does nobody talk about but then well, the two or three ones that hit can yeah. be amazing and perennial bestsellers you know it's like that that should be the goal here 
And so, like, both uh, prestige and excitement, because I think that's something Marvel's going to need with, with crack- like, the current era of X-Men probably ending. Like, no, it's, de- really it's definitely ending. ending. I mean, I don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elements. <laughs> yeah, I've, I followed you, your ending. YouTube saga of, like, <laughs> like <laughs> progressive denial. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've um, given up on trying to uh, defend yeah, yeah, yeah. things for Marvel, because every but time like, I do... Yeah, they, they for me, reading reading current day Marvel comics for the past three or four years, I was reading mostly X Men. I was reading Marvel comics, <clears throat> yeah, mostly from being an, a fan of the current era of X Men more than anything else. Um, and there's, now that there's that's no ending, other center like, to cling to. Yeah, and now that that's ending, Marvel's gonna really need like a new center of the line, like something that people can get excited for and like talk about week after week right i'm i'm genuinely very excited for this now i mean my over the past you know two and a half months i've gotten really into just kind of being like i'm just gonna allow myself to just be excited about this and not and not be skeptical of what's coming because i think it has the chance to really be great i think it has the chance to be better than the original ultimate universe like yeah like easily potentially yeah i mean i mean I, i i think it has definitely the chance of being uh, a more successful experiment, I'd say. Like, because I think, yeah. despite everything, I think they know like the mistakes of the original Ultimate Universe. At least I'm hoping they do. But <laughs> it's Marvel, you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I, are what are your? You know, you did the whole Ultimate Universe journey. Um, yeah. You went through to the you know the end, right? I bailed yeah, before yeah. it got really rough, and you jumped in. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> yep. What do you, what do you think are the greatest mistakes that they did make? It doesn't have to be a million, but just the big ones that jump out. I think sticking too close to the original Marvel Universe in some ways, mm-hmm. both like in the ways it works, like by year by year seven, you're just you just have a second version of the Marvel Universe that's just as messy. Yeah, um, that doesn't have as much history, but it's still as messy and hard to get into. I think, yeah, not giving good successful entry points like post Ultimatum. If you want to keep the Ultimate Universe going, you have to. You have to kind of reboot it. You can you have to to give it like a second breath and a new fresh start for all the series. Mm-hmm. And I think not doing that is a mistake. So if like the first phase of the ultimate un- of the new ultimate universe universe ends after two years with like a big ultimate Hickman event, I think it needs to relaunch like end the three first series and like. Relaunch with like Ultimate Fantastic Four number one, Ultimate Runaways number one, Ultimate Guardians of the Galaxy number one, right? Like three new series that are going to be the new three points of views of the Marvel Universe, right. of the Ultimate Universe. But like, like something that even if it's not a whole new thing, feels like a new, whole new thing and can be a whole new entry point. Uh, I think that would be like a great thing to do. Yeah. Um, and then like having having actual new fresh visions for the Marvel Universe, like. I don't think... I mean, I like Bendis on Spider-Man, but I don't think Bendis is, like, a fresh new take on the on the Ultimate Universe. I don't think Nick Spencer on Ultimate X-Men isn't, like, a new, exciting yeah. voice, right? Yeah. Maybe he was more, like, back then. but and Not even, because that was, like, 2012 or 2013. I don't, I don't remember. Well, and even though he's, like, maybe a newer writer at that point, he's not... We're talking about, like, the artists or the creators that are doing it differently. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, not just kind of yeah, like, yeah. oh, they can write superhero comics well, which is like, yeah. listen, not to like downplay that. Like, there's value in that, and that's you want that. But at the same time, like Peach Momoko, the reason everyone's so excited is because it's like this. It, listen, this may be a disaster, 
but it's gonna it's gonna be a different kind of disaster. Yeah, than what yeah, we've yeah, read yeah. before. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned Zoe Thorogood, and again, it's like yeah, like a, a creator who can who has their own style, who has an experimental sensibility, um, and and it's not it's not gonna be that like Hickman and Chicago, The book, you know, feels traditional. I mean, it also feels yeah. like a lot of fan service, frankly. Like fans have been clamoring for Peter and MJ to get back together. Like if this was in other hands, I you know I would definitely have a a healthy amount of cynicism. Yeah. Towards like, oh, they're just they're just doing the thing that all the you know these fans have been whining about forever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you know you're gonna have a balance, but I do think like allow for those weird idiosyncratic visions. You know, one thing that we that keeps getting overlooked is Will Moss is the editor of Ultimate Invasion and um, and Ultimate Universe so far, and yeah. Will Moss is the is the best editor at Marvel over like the last decade. Um, his name is attached to all of. Not all of, but like the vast majority of books that are allowed to be interesting: Immortal Hulk, um, Vision, uh, uh, Black Panther, Tony's Code stuff. So that actually gives me tremendous confidence in where this can yeah, go, assuming he stays on there, because I think he's the editor with the best like creative and experimental sensibilities, at least as far as that can extend. You know, within a certain Marvel framework, um, there's always going to be limitations. But yeah, I mean, just look at you know, just the fact that we're talking about it this long, the fact that we're or yeah. keep coming back to it. Like, there's no doubt this is going to be the most interesting thing in Marvel, you know, through probably most of 2024, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I think there's a lot. There's just so much meat on the bone. I'm very excited for it. Uh, it's off to, a like, a messy but interesting start, you know? Yeah. Like, despite everything we said, I do think there is some... There's hints that it's going, to, it's going towards interesting directions. And, like... It's not continuing with like an ultimate invasion, like ongoing series tying tying with uh, with the previous universes. Like I have no expectation that Ultimate Spider-Man, Black Panther, X-Men will have like ties to Earth six one six, right? Like that's I don't think maybe Spider-Man if they do some Spider-Verse stuff, but you know, like it doesn't feel like that's gonna be a continuous thread. It feels more like okay, we gotta we gotta tie the beginning to to pre-existing stuff so people like all usual readers are in, and then we can. Like, head off to to a new start. The one, the yeah. one Dave Stinney theory that I will throw Ooh. out here. So, in all the the Hickman graphics, he's doing the thing of like all the many Marvel Earths, you know, and you see all the different Earths. And this one is what is it? It's, it's not six sixteen oh six or something like that, right? It's six one six zero. Yeah, six one six zero. Um, I do not be surprised if this is only one of many worlds the Maker remade. That would be my Dave Stinney theory down the road. Well, because, like, skip ahead if you don't want to know anything about what happens to, to the Ultimate Universe in the two 2010s. But, like, mm-hmm. there are references throughout, like, Saladin Ahmed's uh, spy, Ultimate, like, uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man, like, and other stuff, I think, maybe Denicate's Venom. Like, there are yes. references to, like, a, a continuation of the original Ultimate Universe, like, going on somewhere in the, in the multiverse. Um, and that and, did, and that like, was that was the big uh, cliffhanger that yeah. did not get addressed in Ultimate Invasion, where it's like, well, I mean, we could just continue to ignore that, and sometimes that happens, but it is also like, yeah, yeah. well, that could come up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it didn't just get forgotten. You never know. We'll see. You never know with these things. As I found with X Men, sometimes oh, when it seems like something is like, oh, well, they have to address that. They don't. <laughs> they, they might not, <laughs> you know. Listen, um, but you never like, know. Like predicting here right now, 
Ultimate X-Men number three by Peach Momoko. It's a, it's a Mora McTaggart showcase. It's a Mora X showcase. Don't get me excited. <laughs> Ultimate like Mora X. Let's, let's go. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Peach just diving in to Ultimate Mora would be too much excitement for me to stand. I would not oh, be able yeah. to, uh, to even... Oh, man. And, uh, like, I kind of... Not that specifically, but I kind of have those hopes again with this thing. Where I'm like, these could yeah. be my favorite comics and the thing that I'm obsessed about. Um, and that's great. I, I love having the, at least the chance to have that again. Re- Real question. If if you get burnt on this, like if we, we talk about this in six months, it's like, well, it's just as much, it's just as messy yeah. and making like all the worst decisions again. What would you do? <laughs> See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually be that because it's like Ultimate Invasion and Ultimate Universe are so, f- are, are so far off from House and Powers, yeah. you know, like the, it's not like the setup is so fantastic that I'm like blinded, you know, by promise. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm still guarded. I guess is you know I'm allowing myself to be hopeful, but I'm I'm also like I have the cognitive dissonance to recognize like well I kind of don't love everything that's happened so far. Yeah. I just like the potential of it, so I'll be disappointed for sure if it goes off the rails quickly and doesn't seem like there's you know a plan or they're not allowed kind of the creative freedom I was hoping for. Because um, yeah. you know there's a there's a version of this too, like Peach Momoko's first five issues. You know there's there's a version where people could just be like this is a really boring armor story. And she's in high school. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. that could happen. Um, Peach Momoko is not really proven. Actually, she's not proven at all as like an incontinuity superhero writer. And that's what makes it interesting and exciting. Um, yeah. But it also means like she doesn't, she's never had those at bats. She's a rookie at this. Um, so there's a world where, you know, you're looking at those comics and it's like that preview page was the best thing of the whole run. Like maybe she shied away from all those weird impulses. You know what I mean? It could yeah. go wrong fast. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be hopeful. So I, I won't be too distraught. Have you read Demon Days? Like her whole like... Yeah, I don't yeah. love it. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's the thing. Yeah. I visually think it's amazing. Yeah. I love the sensibilities. I don't actually like reading those comics that much. Yeah. Um. So that's the part where I'm like, I am tremendously excited, but I'm also, I'm also just really curious. Like... Yeah. Like what? Are, what do the storytelling chops look like in this in this context? I don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we'll see. We'll see in a few months. But I'm, I'm, I am really excited about this, and I, I do think, like personally, if this, like, if if those books stink, right? Which I, I'm not expecting. Like, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting a minimum of like, like just Hickman and Spider Man. That name, like, he hasn't written a Spider Man ongoing before, but like, yeah. he's written, he's written with Peter Parker here and there. He's one of my. He's really one of my favorite Spider-Man writers, even though he's never written like a Spider-Man series. I mean, he did like, write I a lot of Spidey in Fantastic Four, and what you know, we'll Fantastic Four, and but... even like a bit in in his Avengers. And I, I really love Spider-Man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited for this. We'll we'll see where it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. Speaking of things that everyone is excited for, Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, baby, <laughs> the MCU yep. is on its heels. There's a big report from Variety this past week that kind of yeah. just had, like, it finally just put on paper, like, the full dumping of MCU in crisis, you know, kind Those of are, like, mostly concerns. stuff you already know. It's mostly right? stuff you already know. It's kind of just all in one place for the first time, I think. Yeah. Um, it's also mixed in with, like, a fair amount of kind of, like, unsourced rumor type stuff, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. I think makes it, like, you know, like, oh, there's a rumor they might, uh, the big one was... They're thinking about uh, bringing back the original Avengers 
you know, so like Tony Stark reviving and, you know, uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow kind of thing. And like, you know, and, and going forward with that team to like save the MCU kind of thing, which is maybe someone once thought of that. It doesn't mean they're close to pulling the trigger on it. But there, there's yeah. a general sense of like, OK, there, this is a year of real superhero fatigue. Um, I think at this point it's I'm fatigued of the fatigue. You know what I mean? Like I'm fatigued of talking about the fatigue. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not interesting anymore. Um, I don't want to hone in on that. I think if I start doing that, people are just gonna be like, yeah, we know we're bored. I get that. Um, but it's, it's a year definitely where the MCU, you know, if you look at like, I was looking like, if you compare this to previous years and I haven't seen the Marvels yet, I will eventually, I'm not like, I'm not running out opening weekend anymore, you know, not because of yeah. the Marvel specifically, but just, I don't, I'm trying to think what that movie would be, you know? Like the, that movie kind of doesn't exist right now for me in the MCU. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it's a down year. And uh, I caught up on Loki, Charlotte, and I liked the first episode a lot. You and I, you loved the first season. I liked it a lot. Um, Loki season two, I, I was just like, I was just getting through it. I was just trying to get yeah. through it. And I was so disappointed because I really had high hopes. Did you watch the latest one like this? Uh, this yeah, I'm, I'm fully caught up. Um, yeah. I was literally, uh, listen, I tried to do my homework. I tried to do, I was oh, literally skipping ahead. Breaking my heart. I was skipping ahead like 20 minutes at a time just to oh, be like. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, okay. <laughs> Not surprised you didn't like. Well, I'm saying I did that because I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so he, um, I, watched the full, my... I watched the full second and third episode. And let, let me so start. The boring ones, cool. Well, let me start with the third one. Let me start <laughs> with the third one. Remember at the end of season one, how flippin' exciting it was to have Jonathan Majors show up as he who remains yeah. and tease for the first time all of the secret wars and multiversal implications. Like, there, it was just electricity shooting through that finale with that character, with the, the threat of Kang, with where things are going. And now you have Jonathan Majors, like, straight up in a whole episode— and I'm ignoring, obviously, the elephant in the room with Majors, which is, should he be in any episodes or any movies, given the allegations and, and legal concerns, right, of domestic abuse? Um, yeah. But it's like he's in a whole episode, and it's not good. <laughs> like, it's very boring. And I just, I could not have fathomed, after that He Who Remains performance, or even his Quantumania performance, that I'd be like, there's going to be a whole King episode, and it's going to feel like you have... Like, like the fifth lead on Suits doing a cameo. Like, it's it's such a letdown. I, I just, I don't know. I was like, uh, what happened? I just, it lost all the electricity. I You like it more, I gather. What's, what am I missing, Charlotte? What am I missing? Well, here's the thing. Loki season one, probably my favorite MCU thing of the past few years. Like, post-Endgame, uh, post right? I love that series. Even more I, than, like, like, the good movies. Like, Guardians 3, No Way Home, those sorts of things. Same level, I'd say. Same level as Guardians Three and and No Way Home, and Cap. maybe even Wakanda Forever. But I'm I think I'm I like it more than most. Yeah. Um, season two, I was like kind of afraid because I know they changed like in the creative team. They changed directors. They changed like no, not showrunners because they don't have showrunners, which we learned recently. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, the people in charge, right, changed for season two, uh -huh. which I was kind of afraid by but you know I was like yeah we'll see we'll see what happens episode one of season two I was really intrigued by it and I thought was pretty successful that's pretty I good really, 
Yeah. Pretty good. Like, Kehoi Kwan is great addition to the show. I Love really him. like his yeah. Ouroboros. Um, and I thought, like, okay, promising starts. Episode 2, 3, and 4, I didn't understand. I thought I, like... Like, it felt like I'd skipped the entirety of season 2 and was somehow watching season 3, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It felt like, like I'd missed something. Like, who's Brad? Why, why is he the main character? <laughs> where, where is this coming from? And then, like... Okay, so episode three is like a big Jonathan Majors showcase. Like he, we follow him as a a, a variant, a nineteen like late nineteenth century version of King, um, called Victor Timely. I think yeah, Victor Timely. Timely. He's he's not good in this, right? No. Like like even forgetting all the like real life stuff, I don't think he's good in this. Which is weird. Like he's a good actor, right? Like he was. I thought he was good as who he, he who remains. Like people were kind of divided on on it. I think I like the I, chaos yeah. of it. But like he he was fun. He was like he's he was the best part of Quantumania. Like he's incredible in in Lovecraft Country, right? Mm-hmm. That, this ain't it. Like he's not. <laughs> he's really not good in this. He's like I don't, I don't even I don't even know how to describe it. He feels like he feels like he's doing an impression of someone else's character in some yeah. ways. Like, it, it's not good. It's not good. And then, like, there's a whole subplot with Miss Minutes being in love with him. I'll tell you what. If there's one love story in the MCU that I'm I'm grabbing onto, it's Miss Minutes and, and Kang. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's this, what I'm most like, interested in. This was written and filmed before the writer's strike, for the most part. It feels like the kind of show you'd expect post writer strike in some ways. Like it didn't have it, writers? <laughs> like they were missing? Yeah, like, like kind of. Or yeah. like they didn't have someone to say, hey, that's that's not a good idea. Like that's, yeah, yeah. that's boring. That's not the point of the show. Yeah, it felt like it's like a bunch of strange choices. And then we get to episode five, science fiction. This from, is the most recent. So we haven't seen the finale. The most recent from, yeah. from three days ago. Which I think is great. It's like one of my favorite Loki episodes, season one and two, like mixed together. Yeah, I thought um, I thought you'd like this one a lot. I, I I did. So part of it is I think it goes to the well of what I love about com- the comics version of Loki in recent years, and that I think has been missing from his MCU version, including the first season of the show. Um, it doesn't definitely doesn't go as far as like Gillen or Ewing on on Loki in the comics, but like there's there's a bit of that there. There's a bit of that feeling and those themes. Are you talking about think... just the ending, which we can give a spoiler warning here? Or are you talking, about, talking about the whole about episode? The, um, kind of the whole episode actually. Okay, and, but like the just the idea of how Loki works as a character and what he means. And I, I don't think the I don't think the the actual episode goes very far with this i just think like i'm seeing stuff that i like in the comics so it's <laughs> it's making me enjoy it that, more. and that gives but, you pleasure yeah 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 exactly but i did think the episode was more successful as like at like like first of all telling a whole story in one episode which i think has been missing from mm-hmm. from season two mm-hmm. uh, i think like the fifth episode was very like we can like bit of spoiler warnings for if you haven't if you're not cut on loki yet yes it's like Loki, so the whole band of the TVA of his friends, like Mobius, Sylvie, etc., have been, like, brought back to their lives before the TVA, and they don't remember being TVA agents. And it's Loki, like, randomly t- teleporting out of control between those different characters and trying to convince them to join him and save save the timeline. And, like, 
I thought it was very successful at like, yeah, telling a whole that whole story, very very clear and obvious stakes in one episode. Yes. Um, some fun character stuff because like he's trying to convince like meeting Mobius, the guy who essentially made him into a good guy, and be like, I I need your help, and Mobius just like I'm. I have two kids. Well, I don't know you. What's what's happening? Right. Like I, I thought it was like a bunch of really good scenes. He, like um, him and Kehuko and uh, uh, Roboros had like some very fun moments together. Um, and then the ending is really really strong. I think. Uh, although it's really really strong, but then it goes back to the previous episodes, and I'm kind of afraid we're just gonna go back to what it was, and it's gonna be like the exce- the exception, like the good exception in this uh, in this season. Um, but I yeah, that episode made me really hopeful for for the rest of the season. Interesting. Yeah, I I think if you like these characters and you've been following Loki, you know, to this point, episode five is is really well constructed. You know, it is a character yeah. deep dive on the relationships between Loki and Mobius, which I'm just going to call it out. A lot of queer baiting on this. I've, I'm oh, seeing yeah. I'm seeing the oh, social yeah. social media. Like I went to just see, you know I I don't do this all the time anymore. But I went to social to see, like, what do people think about this? And uh, the main feedback was like, oh, Mobius and Loki, you know, fine, they're so hot for each other. Finally, gonna-. Listen, I promise you they're not actually setting up a Loki and Mobius romance. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sorry to have to break this to everyone <laughs> like this way, but I, I promise you the Walt Disney Corporation is not actually doing that. Uh, I wish yeah. it was. I wish it – I wish – I think it would actually work really well. Um, I mean, it, like, it has been annoying to me from day one that, like – in the comics in recent years, like, Loki is, like, there is, like, a male and female version of Loki because that's that's the same character that is gender fluid currently. Yeah. Uh, and since, like, since... And Immortal Thor Loki is using day. they, them pronouns and Loki is yeah, absolutely. inhabiting the, you know, their um, you know, female, uh, uh, what do you say, looking anatomy, right? Um, design yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, there's that fluidity could be played with a lot more, I think. Sylvie's. I mean, it's not played at all here. It's just like, yeah, we've got a male and female version. They're yes. just separate versions from different universes. Like, that's all, like, it's very much not portraying either Loki or Sylvie as queer, except for, like, one random line in season one that implies they're bisexual. And even then, it's like, that's not played with at all. Yeah, yeah, um, right. No, it's not committed to, even yeah. a little bit. Um, I think, for me, I going off of what you're saying in terms of, like, the success. One thing I've noticed is, so this issue ends, and again, spoilers for or this episode ends, episode five, with a reference to, you know, really tapping into the, what the, the groundwork that Kieran Gillen and especially Al Ewing laid in, in their work on Loki and Journey into Mystery yeah. and Loki Agent of Asgard in the early 2010s. And one thing I keep noticing, <laughs> so if there's queer baiting, I think there's also comics baiting. That, that the MCU is guilty of. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to equate the two. They're not the same thing. But there's a lot of comics baiting where they're like, oh, they're referencing this thing. And and the nerds, <laughs> like you and I, who know this stuff, get excited, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh, they're referencing this thing I love. And then a lot of those nerds want to show that off, right? And they want to be like, I caught that. That's a reference to these comics. And you should re-. And it's like, yes, it is. It is a reference. It is a Wikipedia footnote. Until something is done with that and stories are told that measure up to those comics, I have to stop getting excited about yeah. that. <laughs> like, that's all it is, is a reference to a story I liked better than what I'm actually <laughs> experiencing. Which is, 
I don't know, bold take? No, it's not a bold take, but like that's <laughs> that's ninety percent of what the MCU is. I mean, I kinda <laughs> I keep it keeps happening. And it yeah. keeps it keeps getting this weird outsized credit, I think, amongst you know, there, there's definitely a, a portion of fandom that is like now it's now it's the MCU defenders because despite the fact that it's you know kind of still on the top of the mountain, right? At least financially, right? At least as far as like blockbusters go, um, now it's like the world is out to get us. You know, <laughs> this, nobody yeah, believes yeah. in the MCU because there's you know some negative reports and some bad PR and stuff, um, and and I think just referencing it gets too much credit for just referencing comic stuff and it doesn't often fulfill the promise of or, or the actual narrative strengths of what the comics delivered. And I, at the end of episode five, I was like, cool, they referenced it. Are they going to do anything significant yeah. with that? They have one episode left. They're not. <laughs> They're oh, gonna, is it only six episodes? Is it not? I'm just assuming. Maybe, Maybe it's you not. You might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I'm looking at the. So this is gonna be really, really nerd stuff. I'm looking at the at the Wikipedia for Loki, and realizing that the the like pre TVA version of what's her name uh, B15, one of the TVA agents. <clears throat> yeah. Her her like real life version is called Verity Willis, which is like I don't what? know if you remember. Who, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's called Verity Willis. That's Verity. Like one of the best characters, like and best. Why? Ideas from from Loki, Agent of Asgard, but by Ali Wing, and it's like, like just like putting that name on a character that has nothing to do oh, that's with a, Verity Willis. That's an incredibly <laughs> weird choice. Yeah, she's Doctor Verity Willis, which is oh, like it feels like early, like late two thousands, early twenty tens, Agents of Shield being like, yeah, hey, we're gonna throw a random name of a of a Marvel character in it, <laughs> yeah. even though it has nothing to do with them. Oh, that's it's like yeah, that's. That's kind of annoying to me. Yeah, <laughs> but no, okay. for sure. Well, especially when it's like, well, you could actually yeah. use that character. Why would you not? Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm Loki has not won me over. I'm, you know, it kind of. I've been saying this for a while, in various forms. Obviously, I think I really think being on TV is kind of the worst thing that happened to the MCU over the last four years. I I think they just they at least as much as they are. I think. Yeah. Yeah, just, you know, with the way yeah. it... I, it was a nice idea. It was a great first six months. Even Falcon and Winter Soldier being messy and not working. It was a great yeah. first six months with WandaVision and Loki in there. It seemed like exactly the right idea. I think a lot of that was coming out of the pandemic, frankly. We knew there weren't going to be movies, but we had WandaVision and Loki. You know, that was really exciting. Um, as it has continued, it has so diluted the sense the the kind of the quality standards and the sense of like just this rare behemoth that was critically acclaimed, respected, and the most popular thing in the world. I think there was a lot of value in that perception of the MCU. You know, yeah. like there was a sense with the MCU by the end of Endgame that the floor was like an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes for whatever. Like, not that that's like. I can't see a movie if it dips below that or whatever, right? But I'm, but there was that perception. You knew you were getting a very reliable movie in, in from this from this enterprise, and now you don't. That perception is kind of decimated. I think. Um, I think it's going to be a really hard thing to rebuild. So all this conversation around the MCU struggling, and you know they're blaming Kang. They're like, we don't know if we can if we can do anything with Kang anymore, as if Kang the Conqueror being the choice in the first place was like not risky. (laughs) 
Like, yeah. like Kang has never carried a comic book event series, you know, Young Avengers notwithstanding that we just covered, right? Yeah. Like you, you're trying to make him the guy in the MCU. That was always a risk as, as if the concept of Kang was more of a problem than the fact that the actor you cast is mired in domestic abuse allegations. I think that's a bigger problem. <laughs> well, and right? also, I don't think they've made the best use of Kang so far. That too. I don't, I don't think making him the villain of Quantumania was, like, the best introduction. It wasn't. Character. No, it, it was a yeah. failed... I mean, for me, that's a tremendously failed movie. Like, they tried to make that kind of an Avengers temple. And so that's that was the thing that just drove me up a wall, was they're talking about, like, yeah, there, there's a rumor that they're, they're going to bring back the original Avengers. And, and I'm just screaming... Like, can we try a new Avengers I mean, if first? If they do that, it's over, right? Like, that's just admitting... That's a white flag. That's yeah. surrender. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, okay, so we're bringing back the original ones. Yeah. And, like, how long can that last? Like, how long do you think Robert Downey Jr. is going to be going out, like, parading in, in, a, in an Iron Man armor? <laughs> that's not going to last long. It sounds that's like... It's such an obvious mistake, I think, yeah. if they do that. But it's also, to me, the part that has me screaming is it's like, well, the new one isn't working. What new one? <laughs> you don't yeah. have a new Avengers team. There is no Avengers movie, even on the slate. Yeah. Why did you think for a second <laughs> that your Avengers franchise could survive without any Avengers? You have yeah. all of the people, right? You could have Ms. Marvel on this team or Captain Marvel on this team. You could have Hulk on this team. You could have Falcon on this team. You can bring in Shang-Chi. There is no reason there is not a new Avengers squad and that that is not the center of your universe. You know, they thought they could yeah. do that. They couldn't. It doesn't work. You know, um, I think if they wanted to do the whole, the Avengers are gone, we need to build back up to that. Then they should have more wholly committed to that. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, we need to have like a different center. In that case. Like you need to put out a Thunderbolts movie like year one to have like a different center. And the whole conversation while, right? should be, this is a world without Avengers. Yeah. Like that's the center then. Is Which isn't trying case, to get back like, to an Avengers. Characters reference the Avengers, like reference the idea of like no one's like the Avengers are gone, right? Yeah, yeah. Just... It's crazy. They're like they're like, and all we've seen of quote unquote an Avengers is what like holograms at the end, like in the Shang Chi post credits. I yeah. think <laughs> like it's a bizarre approach, and to sit here and be like the new one's not working. You don't have a new one yet by choice. That was a creative direction. I think that that was a massive misfire. Um, there should have been an Avengers movie. There still should be. You know, people are like, oh, it'll get saved with Task 4, it'll get saved with X-Men. It's like, why are, we, why are we throwing away the franchise that got you here? I'm not even an Avengers stan. It's not the point about the team. It's the point that they built the whole thing around this. Well, especially as we've had like 15 to 20 like MCU projects in three years, which is like the equivalent of the entirety of the MCU before that, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, you, you can't compare two years or like three years between 2020 and 2023 to three years between 2017 to 2020. That's not comparable because like that's four movies or like five or six movies against like 20 movies and shows, right? right? We sh like either you put out two movies and or like three movies and one show a year or you do everything you're doing right now. But like we need to have a big culmination point every year and a half, right? Yeah. Otherwise it just feels like we're going nowhere. There's no, there's no direction. Yeah, no. And then yeah. you, and then you combine that with the rest of the superhero market, aka DC, being completely aimless with no direction. So for the, you know, non die, not diehard necessarily, but just for like the super average consumer, there's got to just be the sense of like, 
yeah, there's a lot of bad superhero movies out there right now, right? You know, they're like, you know, Flash. It, uh, not just bad, but superhero movies people aren't interested in or aren't excited. Yeah. I don't know if Blue Beetle was good. Exactly. I have time to watch it. <laughs> it, might be, it might be really awesome, but it gets mixed in now with this mess of like, well, there's another one that I guess is going to kind of feel like the other ones and, you know, doesn't doesn't really contribute yeah. to anything else. And it's just now it's just a sea of too much, you know? Yeah. And I think, we listen, we talked about diluting the product just in terms of like, it was really nice having two MCU movies in a year. Like, I think there is a certain rate of consumption that is the right number where you're not overexposing yourself. And I think two to three movies was it, you know? And I think, like you just said, TV blew that up. Um, and and I think just the, the main reality, though, is just, like, they're not good at TV. They aren't. You know, these stories of, like, oh, they're going to have showrunners now. <laughs> and, like, oh, they're going to hire people who know how to do TV. It's, like, we're four years into this. Like, yeah. you, you know, you missed your window. Um, and I think it's, like, listen, you conquered movies. It's, it is completely acceptable that you couldn't also conquer TV. <laughs> like, it's a different beast. It's a different art form. The standards are really high on TV. Prestige TV is very accessible, you know? I would say even more so than movies. Because, like, going to the theater, you have a real limit on what you can see and what you're going to go out and spend time and money to go see in a movie theater, right? Yeah. On streaming, I mean, I can just go watch Sopranos. You have the whole history of, of film and television kind of at your fingertips generally. That's what Loki's competing against. Well, you know? yeah, and it's Not competing against, like... There's also so much TV up there. Like, you can't rely on being mediocre to good and expecting that's going to be enough. Like, if I have a choice between watching What If Season 2 and The Bear Season 2, I'm watching The Bear Season 2 twice. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, they need to, <laughs> like, take a step back, definitely. And take, I, I taking hope, a step like, back, I think, is the thing. And it's like, I hope the writer strike and the actor strike, like, gave them the, kind of the opportunity to do that, right? To be like, hey, we can do anything else than think about what we're doing right yeah. now. Yeah. So let's think. <laughs> it seems like it, it maybe yeah. did and, and kind of should have. Yeah. Um, and there's there's still plenty of moves and plenty of opportunity to kind of just slow down. And I, I'm also hoping like the, <clears throat> the VFX artists, you know, uh, like unionizing, I'm hoping that kind of forces them to slow down, right? Like, yeah, sure. You can't I just that gives some turn, strength. turn, turn, and and yeah. take advantage of people in the same ways they used to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that it's, honestly, that and I think that's hopeful. it's a better thing for the workers. I think it's going to be a better thing for the product and the consumers as well. Um, okay, so I I think it's it's pretty you know popular opinion at this point to think the MCU is struggling, right? And then there are varying degrees of why that is. Or, or how much that is true. I mean, I think the thing we kept falling back on, you know, UI and, and also Zach is like, we still like the movies, generally. Yeah. You know, like I, with the exception of Quantumania, you know, I'm generally pretty into pretty much everything that's come out in phase four, you know? I mean, Love and Thunder, I think we were probably more positive of than the, the consensus that has come out since, which is like, it's one of the worst Marvel movies of all time. Like, I definitely didn't have that experience personally with Love and Thunder. Um, but like, I think the movies are gonna be fine. Uh, they do just need, a, I think, a narrative center and something to tie these things together. I, this idea that you can just spin, spin, spin and build, 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 like you, it, that window has passed, I think, for sure. Um, do you think there's any any of these ideas that have come out, you know, where it's like, oh, like centered around Doctor Doom instead of Kang or recast the original Avengers was one or um, 
uh, what was the other one? Oh, Blade is uh, <laughs> the Blade. Did you see the Blade news? Like the sections on Blade from this. So the one of the stories was like there were rumors that Blade was at one point it was Blade was the fourth lead and it was a narrative about women and life lessons. <laughs> And it was like as if this was like a terrible thing. Did you see this stuff? I either frightened you or I lost you. Oh no, I'm scared off Charlotte. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's tea time. Everybody agrees. Hello. Hey, there you are. I said something about Blade. Uh, Blade and how the narrative was about women and life lessons. And then I was like, oh no, I've scared Charlotte. I have frightened her off. <laughs> yeah, too much for me. Too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly where I was. So let's see. Oh, my question to you, Charlotte, is do any of the changes that are kind of proposed there, Dr. Doom taking over for Kang, recasting original Avengers, uh, anything that you saw from the stories, do any of those feel like the appropriate action or for you, is it kind of just that bigger? What we just talked about, like, listen, just calm down, slow down, you know, get, get your stuff together. I mean, going back to the OG Avengers, I think that's like, that's signing, uh, that's signing surrender. Yeah. That's that's just a terrible idea. I think, um, Dr. Doom, I'm hesitant about, like, I'd love to have a great doom. That'd be, that'd be awesome. I'm also not like, 100% 100% confident that the MCU can do it. I, I ranted um, about that this week on my, yeah, my live yeah, stream. Yeah, so, I was like, because yeah. for me, it's like, I love Dr. Doom so much. <laughs> and this this character has been tarnished twice by the Fantastic Four attempts. You know, it's yeah. gotten, been gotten wrong twice this century. The last thing I want is to try, is to be like, oh, this is messy. Let's throw Dr. Doom into that mess and so set the stage had- for him failing again. Like, yeah. wait until it is, it is direct, you know, has a purpose. Dr. Doom is not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, like and I, I'd be shocked if Dr. Doom wasn't always a part of the Kang plot. You don't need to replace yeah. Kang. You just need Doom to usurp Kang by the end of it. You know, it, I don't think that is. And, and again, like the best part of Quantumania is not your main problem. You yeah. know, Kang, Kang as a concept is not the problem. I don't think. If you think the multiversal saga is an issue. Mm, okay, that's a conversation, but uh, I, I don't think like centering things around Kang. I mean, listen, that's it's not like any of us were sitting here like, oh hell yeah, Kang's the bad guy now, you know. Um, I think that is was kind of a bold direction to begin with, but he doesn't have to be the ultimate big bad for this yeah. to work. I don't think. Also, please prove to me you are actually making a Fantastic Four movie be- before you start talking about <laughs> yeah, to Doom. Right? Exactly. Right? I don't. I don't yeah. want a Doom devoid of all the things. That make him do. That make him interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like if you just have like this secret king out there. Because it's like, who is, who is he opposing that is interesting? If you inject him into this lineup right now, Ant-Man? Like who, who is the, who's your Doctor Doom antagonist as the MCU stands today? Spider-Man? Black Panther? I mean, Black sure. Panther? You could do Shuri. Sure. Get Namor in there. You could do that. But it's like. But that's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. And you need a Fantastic Four and you, you need a stable Marvel Universe for Doom to take over, yeah. you know. I I think I to me I'm like I do not want to see I do not want to see that mask until you are good and and ready. Keep my boy Victor I mean, free. They need to. I mean, they kind of need to do what comics have always done, at least what comics have done in the past 
15 years, which is like every year you have like a, a like you can, we can talk about whether Kosovo events are a good thing or not, but I think what they're successful at is every year you have like a point at which like we can catch up on what's happening in the Marvel universe and like have a central point, a central story for all the characters to to come back together and remind us of yeah what this is why I'm following these stories right. like I, I'm remembering the excitement I can feel about uh, about this and I think Marvel needs to do that even if it's not necessarily an Avengers movie but I like where's the time where we could see Hulk in a in a Thor movie where's the time where we could see Doctor Strange in a Thor movie right there hasn't been that much crossover so far it's just been like introducing new people and like. To various degrees of being successful or not. Like, I, I, I thought, like, She-Hulk was pretty successful. I thought Ms. Marvel wasn't a good show, but was, like, a great like great portrayal of the character. Yeah. But then you have the Eternals. Is that going to get picked back up at any point? Who knows? Yeah. Um, are we going to see Harry Styles uh, flirting with She-Hulk at any point? We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Definitely. Uh, I mean, yeah, to like, that point, it is, yeah. like... like when everyone talks about events, it's always talked about as like this blockbuster thing. And comics fans obviously have a lot of complaints about the way that has manifested over the years. Yeah, Movies are so well suited <laughs> for blockbuster Absolutely, events. Yeah. It's what they're supposed to be. Like crossover events make infinite sense for the MCU. Um, you know, that's why Cap 3 Civil War was a big deal, right? It's yeah. like bring the pieces together. And it's, I think that is, I think you're spot on that that is like, the simplest, but also the hardest solve. Because all the talk right now is like, they'll all come together in secret wars. And it's like, you're telling me everyone's not going to come together until the end? The very end? We're not going to have any crossover prior to that point? That's crazy. Yeah. You know? to this, Before this point, you didn't have more than like five like subsequent movies without having like some kind of Avengers team up. Like between 2012 and 2018, you have Avengers... Winter Soldier, which is kind of a crossover. You have Falcon, you have Black Widow in there. Then you have Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. Then you have Civil War, the very next year. Then you have Ragnarok. It's kind of a crossover between Thor, Hulk. You get Doctor Strange in there. Yeah. And then you're into Infinity War and Endgame. Like, you have those steps of crossing over and seeing where people are at. And you've, like, where have you had that since since COVID, since the end of... An, uh, of uh, of the Infinity Saga. Like, I can't think of... I mean, of No Way the... Home has, has Doctor Strange and Spidey. Yeah, sure. Right? That's that's um, one. That's uh, one. Doctor Strange has, you know, X-Men Fantastic Four and Humans teases. But that's like way. crossing over to, like, different parts of Marvel in film. It's not like totally. an MCU thing, right? Totally. Um, um, I mean, yeah. other than... I mean, the Marvels, I guess, is going to... Now we're doing the bringing the show up to the big leagues... Yeah. Right. And we'll see how how successfully or, or not that works. But, but it's yeah, still playing right. in like similar parts of the universe, right? It's not a center in any way. No, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not bringing. That's what I'm saying about an Avengers movie is like, yeah, yeah. Whatever the heck you want to call it, I just want to see Captain Marvel and the Hulk and and Sam yeah. Cap taking on an issue <laughs> in tandem. And you know what? I hope Thunderbolts can be that, but I'm not super hopeful. I I, I just don't know what. Like, what is the franchise that you have a high degree of confidence in at this point? You know, I think is probably... I mean, Guardians done, but Guardians was it. Guardians was right? it, and it, it yeah. delivered, but it's done. Whatever You could have a Guardians 4 down the road, but, like, the one we knew was done, 
right? It's, I I feel like they have a pretty good track record with Spider Man, but who knows where that's Same. at? That's at. Same, but that's definitely in limbo as well. Um, and is Doctor yeah, Strange like like your highest confidence franchise at this point? Like you don't like want Doctor Strange to be your leader. Oh, Black Panther, and and that is that's, but that's complicated. It is complicated. I mean, that's definitely the um the piece of the puzzle where I'm still like the MCU should all be built around T'Challa, and uh, and obviously Chadwick Boseman's tragic real life passing made that impossible. Um, yeah. So that I, I do wonder, you know, when the retrospective is written in the oral history or whatever, you know, in 10 years, how many of them are going to be saying, like, it took us seven years to get over yeah. the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Um, that feels real. You know, you feel that way. Like, like that's where your Avengers leadership would be, too, would be would be that character. Um, and Shuri, you just can't. It's not the same story. You know, it's, it's, not yeah. That, yeah. it's not that Shuri as a character couldn't also do those things. It's just that where she's at in her journey, it's just not, it's not the same story. It's not the same presence. Um, I'd be fine with Shuri leading an Avengers team. You know what I mean? Uh, but you can't quite get to it at the same rate that you would have otherwise. Yeah. yeah so, we'll but see. I just, I don't know. I just think you need that, you need that franchise. Like, what is your franchise movie? It can't, I think the problem, you know, too, is they're like, oh, the, they got a little too high on their own supply of like the MCU is undefeatable, right? And the MCU is, yeah. is the king of the town. And it's like, there's no movie called the MCU. There's no franchise yeah. called the MCU. You know, now you just have a lot of, revolving superhero parts that don't tie into a central thing that that instills confidence that it's going to be great you know um yeah i, I think like it's a real challenge knowing some like stuff that has been leaked or teased about the Th- thunderbolts like it feels like that might be an attempt of having kind of a center not in the same way as an actual avengers movie but like Tying together different parts of the Marvel universe and seeing what's what's happening that actually matters in the center, we'll see how successful that is. It just feels uh, too clever by half again to yeah. be like we're gonna you know we're having a hard time, so we're gonna center everything in the Thunderbolts. It's like Avengers is still right there. <laughs> why why are yeah. you avoiding it entirely? I'm just I'm just kind of baffled by that at this point. We are we're going to be five years removed from Endgame, and again they're not telling a story of how the Avengers cannot be reformed because of Endgame. If they were telling that story, I would understand. But they're not. They're still kind of pretending that this team, like, semi-exists. So do something with it. It's just very yeah. weird to me, you know? I don't get it. It's like we have to we have to build it up again. It's like it has taken longer at this point to have an Avengers movie than it did the first time when they literally had to build it, you know? That went from 2008 to 2012. <laughs> it's going to be longer. Yes, yeah, yeah. Why are we not building to something? I don't understand. Well, I mean, I, f- I feel like the fear is diluting the brand, which is the biggest brand in the world. Like, if you do an Avengers 6, uh, Avengers 5, like, three years after Endgame, for sure it's not going to be as big as Endgame. It can't be. And I think, like, that's kind of a fear to yeah. them of, like, being like, oh, the downfall of the MCU. Look how, how Avengers 5 did so much less than Avengers 4. But, like, that's how it has to work, right? Like you. Well, that's kind of where they. That's kind of where they netted out anyway by not doing it. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, and I think now they're seeing the. Because here's the thing: in the comics, Avengers isn't built to be your big event thing. It's built to be a continuous series, right? Right. And that's not how it has worked in the MCU. At least not since Endgame. Mm. And I think it was that from Avengers one to Endgame. Um, and now they're they're feeling the. Yeah, the 
something missing. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's just it. Is just okay. There's something missing. How do we reinstill that? I'm I'm skeptical that the answer there is by adding Fantastic Four or X Men by like adding a whole new franchise. I still feel like you have all of the. I could see. But well, you just have all of the bones. You have all of the parts still. Yeah. To make a fully functioning car, yeah. <laughs> like you know, to me it's just weird to abandon that, um, having not tried it. I think because uh, I, I think if, the other thing too is like if you just had a movie called The New Avengers, a la the comics we're just reading, and it's yeah. about you know basically a new team, some familiar players getting together again. It's like I, I think there's a a willingness and an understanding that fandom could pretty easily get to to be like, yeah, this is not Endgame again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like comparing those directly is just kind of narratively dishonest about trying to have this ongoing superhero universe. So I'm, I, I can't, I, unlike the ultimate universe, I can't say I'm like hopeful about where things are heading until, until they finally kind of take that pause and say, this is our center. We found ourselves again. Cause right yeah. now it's just like what, it, there's just a hole in the middle. Um, and they still, yeah. they, they've had four years to try and fill it and they haven't. Uh, Which is disappointing because I think there's still some good st- like the trailer to Echo came out like today or yesterday. Yeah, it's it's intriguing. It's interesting. It yeah. looks pretty good. Which now I, I'm I hope Echo rules. With, yeah. I hope it's great. I, I, yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. it is it's definitely going to be one of those like it's definitely going to have just a tremendous pressure on it. You know, look like look at you know what the MCU narrative is right now with this story. I can't imagine the Marvels is going to do great. Not because yeah. I think it's going to be bad. But it's like, contextually, look at what this movie, it's dealing with like real MCU fatigue. There's an actor strike going on, for God's sake, so they can't promote the movie. And like, so, and that's going to get so overlooked <laughs> when people look at this yeah. retroactively. It's like, they didn't get to promote this movie like every other MCU movie. Of course, it's not going to do as well. Um, plus, I mean, it is, it's a hard sell. It's a, tie, it's a callback to a Captain Marvel movie that came out four years ago. With characters, two leads who came from Disney Plus, and I think there's a real kind of growing understanding that, like, yeah, the audiences for Disney Plus are way smaller than we thought they were. Yeah. You know, um, it's just it's got a real uphill climb. And then I think you're going to have Echo releasing probably into those narratives, you know, and that kind of dialogue around like struggles. And I just I hope the show's flipping awesome and just shuts everyone up because otherwise it's going to be, you know. It's going to be the absolute proof in the pudding of like the MCU has lost its way. Why is it releasing an Echo miniseries? Um, which is a bit, you know, was was a big question when it was announced. You know, that was a swing. Like there was a real like Endgame carryover confidence that they had where they were like, yeah, we can do an Echo show. We can do an Agatha Harkness show. I mean, listen, I'm skeptical of that. I don't know about you. You know, we can do an Agatha Harkness show that has changed titles and probably contents three times in the past two years. <laughs> yeah. We can do that. It's like can you? And that's probably just a hidden Young Avengers yeah. uh, prequel. Yeah, we'll see what I don't know that you can, that. but that trailer looked awesome. You've got heavy Wilson Fisk involvement. Not a fat joke. Just yeah. he's heavily involved. Um I think Daredevil in one shots, maybe. That's gonna help. Probably I mean, I really I really like Netflix Daredevil, so to me, like the continuation of those characters and those elements is appealing. Yeah. Um I did where, where who are knows you what's on happening with that? What's that? Also, who knows? Although, who knows what's happening with that with Daredevil in the well? It's like they they completely are redoing kind of everything. Scrap, yeah. It seemed like you know, so that's always a great sign. <laughs> but you know what? I kind of want to see more stories like that. 
I kind of want to, I want to see like, I would actually be excited if next year they were like, hey, you know, all those phases and movies coming we told you about, forget it. We're redoing, we're re, we're scrapping all of that. I think people would interpret that as a giant red flag, but I would actually be excited about that because that would tell me they've used this time to go back to the drawing board and reorient themselves. I don't know. I think people would yeah. panic, but I'd actually like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I feel like next year is going to be a bit make or break for them. Cause like if, if the big like Deadpool Wolverine thing doesn't pan out and the big crossover between characters from different franchises with Thunderbolts doesn't pan out either. That's, that's kind of a tough break. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll yep. see. Interesting we'll see. times for the, I mean, it is too. I do just want to like, like being like having superhero movies be the most celebrated entertainment in the world for 11 years was kind of a miracle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was insane that that happened. Um, but it is, it's, it, 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 I don't know. It's just like, yeah, at some point, like people are going to want new things. Like you can't have pizza every night. I want, I want to, you tell me right now I get pizza every night. I'm excited. But by night five, you know, yeah. I might actually but want something then else. It's like, what's the, what's the latest current superhero thing that hasn't been MCU mold, right? Spider-Verse. I also have that. I don't know. Joker. That was like five years ago. Broke the mold at <laughs> right? least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the boys on the TV side. Yeah, sure. I think it's all out of success for that reason. Invincible in some ways. Invincible to a degree. Um, Okay, so let's use that actually as a transition here, Charlotte. I've been reading Mr. Invincible per your recommendation. Ooh, hell yeah. From from Convincible, the Invincible. Charlotte, this is the most fun I've had reading a comic book (laughs) in I can't even tell you. Oh my goodness, I love Mr. Invincible. I'm not quite done with the volume I have, but this book is such a delight. Uh, yeah. It's smart. It is clever. It is funny. It is using the medium just so overtly and passionately. And oh my goodness, I love Mr. Invincible. There, I've had multiple moments where I'm reading it like, I'm like, is this like a top 10 comic of all time? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how high can this go? Uh, I, I love it so much. Fantastic recommendation. That is Mr. Invincible. It is originally French, right? Within the last several yeah, years uh, i have to check if he's french or belgian but it's like yeah french-speaking european um it's pascal jusselin who's like a french um, let me check right now uh pascal jusselin i have i actually have like a one or two signed copies of uh, of miss invincible by nice. him because i i went to a brussels brussels uh, comic book fest uh he's french so pascal jusselin french uh, french uh, comic book creator artist and, and writer and uh, and yeah, that's it's it's an awesome like just fun comic book uh, with a like it's not a big superhero story, right? It's just like individual no, fun, yeah. like gags and pages, like playing with the the comic book form and and superhero superhero medium. Uh, it's it's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. No, it's a blast. I mean, I love I love comic book tricks and sort of meta commentary yeah. and it is it the fascinating thing as it progresses because you know mr minzel superpower is like oh he can hop panels and he can see what's going to come later in panels the fascinating thing is like well what else can this guy do <laughs> right like after you know in a 70 page book it's like okay like once you've kind of gotten through a few gag strips like that it's like all right how yeah. much more can we do with this um and so far there's always been an answer every time i find yeah. myself getting a little tired of like okay i feel like the gimmick is maybe running its course, there's always like a new trick. Uh, so I, it's kind of this fascinating thing too of like, 
you know, like, can you, can you keep this going? Can you keep doing this? And so far the answer has been yes. So it's a blast. I highly recommend it. Um, great, great recommendation there. Awesome. I am really, 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 really glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Speaking of things we enjoy, let's do our Zach attacks where we attack Zach with compliments. <laughs> okay. Here's my, here's my compliment for Zach who cannot make this podcast. Um, so good at fostering community and, and like genuinely like taking an interest in people. Um, I think so good at, he's done that with us. Um, he's done that with members of the Slack community and fans of my marvelous year. Like, like in the thing about Zach is like, like I might like interact politely with someone on Slack, but I would never meet them in real life of my own accord. (laughs) (laughs) Zach will like make actual friends and like visit them and spend time together and I am envious of that uh, ability and and constantly thrilled by it. And I'm I'm it, it makes my marvelous year so much more fun. Um, I mean, there's a person. reason why our, our MMY Slack is like the place to be, like to talk about comics and whatever. And like, if you're a fan of the show, I can't recommend it enough because Zach has really created and fostered a, a great community on there, like with a great atmosphere to like. You know, for a comic book place, right? For a place where comic book fans talk about comic books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's insane that it's as good and fun and, and lighthearted as it is. Yep. Um, yeah, the, the Slack is, is really... I mean, like, and it's how I joined the show, right? Like, I was a, I was a fan and I was on the Slack before, before mm-hmm. I joined the show. Um, and uh, so I can tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really cool place. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much to Zach for that because I'm I'm not much on the Slack these days because <laughs> I don't have time and it's I mean it's 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 a lot of work to to that he puts into that so yeah it is definitely yeah um okay so I think that uh, do you have any additional Zach attacks Zach attacks who where am I gonna attack Zach no I mean Zach is I mean he's he's he, I'm even before joining the show I was always impressed by his ability to like I know I <laughs> I tend to be kind of a like a doormat when it comes to my opinions <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. like I I I I'll, I'll tend to conf- like my instincts will be to to conform and like to what other people think yeah um and I I think I'm better at that uh, in in recent years but like even when I was just listening to the show I was always admirative of how Zach like not just stands his ground but like is never ashamed of like an opinion, even if it's like the the minority <laughs> opinion, yeah, right, yeah, like and like that's that's admirable, honestly, like to to stand your ground like that and just and and it makes for way more interesting discussions. It right? is, it like is. if it was it just the two of us, like <laughs> raving about comics we love for 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 an hour and a half uh, every week, that that'd be boring, or like that would get would get boring at some point. Well, and, and it's uh, it is something. Yeah. It's so hard to genuinely establish your own opinion when you um yeah are surrounded by others opinions you know and i see this all the time now and it gets easier as i get older you know i think too and you get you get sure of you know kind of your own foundations of what you like and don't like and all that stuff um but it's like man even like incredibly popular stuff on youtube comics conversations or on podcasts like there's such a groupthink consensus that seeps in yeah. Around absolutely. You know how to think about comics. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about with Amazing Spider-Man since past is a great example, where there is just like a a comics fandom consensus of groupthink that sinks in around. Oh, this is one of the worst Spider-Man comics, and the challenge that very few live up to 
as to how to ac- actually articulate the truth of that or the or the yeah. denial of that, which obviously Zach committed to. Um, which I mean, it's great. honestly, I do think it. I, like it's <laughs> it's easy to say for me because he's my co-host, but I do think that's something that makes Zach one of the best people talking about comics, like in podcast or, or stuff like that. It's like bar none, right? Because I think I think that's what makes the show feel, at least to me, so special um, and different to from all the stuff that's uh, that's happening yeah. both in YouTube and podcast. Um, I think like that's that's a big part of why why it feels so special and so. Yeah, good to keep going. Like, well, and it does. I, I it makes me examine. It gives longevity to to the show. Totally agree. It has made me examine why I love the things I do, yeah, or why I yeah. am so fiercely passionate about the things I do, which is like a really hard thing to again like sit down and put pen to paper. Like he like he challenged me on Ice Cream Man, which is one of my favorite comics of the last you know seven years. Um, yeah. and he was like, "Why do you like that so much?" And just like the act of someone asking that question is like infuriating at first. <laughs> for me, because it's like, can't you just accept that yeah. I love this and that I think it's great? But then it's like, okay, now I have to sit down and actually think about that <laughs> and yeah, try yeah. to put pen to paper on the why. Um, and and I, I do think that makes for a lot more interesting conversations. You know, I think, too, like, if this show yeah. had been me and somebody who had all the same kind of understanding of comics consensus to begin with, you know, it just it becomes the Chris Farley, oh, remember this? Oh, I remember yeah. this? And it's not yeah. fun conversation, I don't think. I don't think it's interesting. I mean, agreed. But also, if you want, like, if you're just MMY listener and, like, you think uh, Zach is often the contrarian and, like, more, more, like, tempered on his opinions, please come listen to Extra Issues. If you want to, like, listen to Zach be super excited about comics he loves, please yeah. come over to Extra Issues. Because, like, we've been talking, like, Love and Rockets, like some Money, Money Knocks Us Attack comics. Watchmen even was our first episode. And, like, those are episodes where if you want to listen to, to me and Zach be, like, super excited about comics we really, really enjoy. And, like, and like be articulate about that. I, I think that's something Zach is really, really good about as, as well as, like, be very articulate and, and like... Like he's he, the way he's gonna explain his opinion on a comic is always gonna be interesting because it's just not gonna be like, yeah, it's it's good because obviously it's good. You all know it's good because it's popular, right? Which I think is something that a lot of like like you said, a lot of of YouTube and and podcast comic book uh, criticism can tend to fall into. Yeah, no, there's there's real consensus that that builds in, um, and it's hard to shake. I think it's it's good to get yeah. shaken out of those routines and examine why. All right. That's going to do it for Zach Attacks. This is the segment that will recur anytime Zach misses an episode. Um, <laughs> that is both a threat and a promise. Hey, this is Zach. I'm editing the episode from uh, vacation in rural Maine. I think you can probably hear the gas generator behind me. Um, just want to let you know, this was such a very sweet experience to listen to Dave and Charlotte talk about me like this. I'm really, really touched, and it does mean that I will never come back on my Marvelous Year so that they have to do this every episode. So this is goodbye. So Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Charlotte, we had a lot to say. This a long episode. Yeah, nice. This is good. Uh, okay, everybody, you can find my Marvelous Year episodes on all of your favorite podcast channels. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Um, you can find all the issues that we're going to be reading in 2005, again, in the show notes, or if you want access to that Slack community and uh, potentially access to the full spreadsheet of everything we're going to be reading going forward, you can go to my, uh, patreon.com slash my year, support us for as little as $1 a month. 
you get access to the full spreadsheet. I think we are planned through 2006 currently, as far as the official lists. The uh, yeah. the original lists are, are through 2010, and I have never expanded it beyond that. So if you want to get first eyes on what the 2010 lists are going to come look like, that's probably going to start next year. Um, as we, yeah, I think by by 2024 we should be making our way through 2006, 2007, and then maybe 2008 would be my guess. Uh, yeah. So we're getting close to the 2010s, really, really moving through the modern era here. Yeah, should be a good I'm, time. I'm entering school for the first time, 2007. That's when, that's when I, I wrote at school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can do we can do school memories as well as oh, we yeah. move through this. Uh, all right, music for the show is by Disasterpiece. Again, I'm Dave. That's Charlotte. Uh, we will be uh, back with 2005 next week. Like, subscribe, share, comment, all the fun things that help us out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next year. See you next year. Uh-huh.